0: Open your Bible with me to uh, Romans chapter 4. Last week we looked at the first 18 verses this morning, picking up there at verse 19 through verse 21. Let me read God's Word. Romans 4, 19 through 21. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. I want us to think this morning about strengthening our faith, being strong in faith, have you, ever, have you ever felt weakness in faith? Have you ever you know, felt like this? I just can't pray one more prayer. I just can't keep up the, the, the morality. I, I'm losing it. Uh, big in the news right now is a very famous megachurch pastor and author who said in the last couple of weeks, he says, I'm hanging it up. He says... Don't call me a Christian anymore. He left his marriage of 22 years, left his church, and said, wasn't interested in either. Do you ever feel that way? Like, I just don't think it's worth it. I I want to just leave it all behind. If faith is important, we saw last week, Romans 4, 1 through 18, that salvation is by faith. Faith alone, then keeping that faith strong is pretty crucial, isn't it? Having strong faith, not weak faith, is extremely important, and that's where this text leads us. But you probably know stories where people have seemed like they have grown weak in their faith. Hopefully, this is a passage that encourages us. Well, before I get into it, let me just remind us what it's not. Um, it's not. there's are a lot of people preaching and saying to those that they're preaching to, "You just need to to get stronger. You just need to work harder. You need to try harder." But that's not what I'm saying this morning. I had a I had a college um, um, intramural partner. We are on the same basketball team, and uh, he he uh, he taught me how to get pumped up, revved up for basketball. Uh, Before he came to Covenant College where I was, he was the place kicker for uh, the University of Alabama under Bear Bryant. And so I thought, and then he wanted a Christian education, so he came to Covenant College. And just before the the basketball, you know, one one of our basketball games, he's knocking on my door. And he says, "Have have you put your uniform on yet? And I said, no, no. He says, good, get it, come to my room. And I'm thinking, why do I need to go to your room to get dressed? You know, but anyway, come on. So I got my uniform, ran down to his room, and as soon as I got into his room, he put on the hi fi. Anybody know what a hi fi is? He had one of these 33 uh, uh, speed albums. He put the needle over on it, and it started going dun, da da dun, da da dun, da da dun. You know, you know this song, The Rocky Theme. Dun, dun. Do you know the words of that song? The words of that, there's not very many. It's. Uh, something like, getting strong now. It's so hard now. Getting strong now. Trying harder now kind of thing. Getting strong now. Going to fly now. Going to fly now. Fly, fly, fly. And, yeah, thanks. That's not recordable, truly. But the philosophy is so common to our society is if you really want to get pepped up, and you want to get stronger, you just have to try harder. And that's kind of the theme of that, work harder and try harder. I don't know, we won the championship that year, so maybe it works. Maybe that's Bear Bryant's secret, you know, and nobody knows. But anyway, I don't think it works for faith. Trying harder helps you learn and build a skill. Working at something over and over does produce Effective results at at learning how to do certain skills. But it's not for faith. Faith in Christ is not so much a work, it's not a work, It's, it's not something to try harder at. Rather, it's a gift to enjoy. God has granted us this gift. And it's called faith. And to believe in Christ. But that belief can be encouraged. It can be stimulated. It can be strengthened. And that's what I want for you. To have a strong faith in Christ. That you don't, having come to Christ by faith, you don't grow weak. And that's how it just immediately starts off, chapter 4, verse 19, without becoming weak in faith. Here's a man who had the same faith as ours, and he did not become weak in faith, and yet it tells us he's 100 years old and as good as dead. And he goes on to explain that uh, illustration even further. Not only is he as good as dead, his wife, who is 90 years old, is as good as dead. Now, why why is he telling us that? He's telling us that because His faith was in the promise that God was going to send a son to him, Abraham. And that through that son, the Messiah would be born. And that Messiah would die for his sins. And Abraham is looking in faith forward to Jesus. Now, for Jesus to come, Abraham had to have a baby. Abraham is 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, is 90 years old and described here, both of them, as good as dead. Yet, he doesn't become weak in faith. Now, you don't have to know a lot of biology to know. I mean, have you ever seen a 100-year-old give birth to a baby? It just, you don't have to know a lot. You just know. That Don't that just doesn't happen. Abraham not only knew it didn't typically happen, but it certainly doesn't happen when the person's as good as dead. I mean, that's a phrase we use to say, this person's not just old. You know, one foot is in the grave. He is as good as dead. This is not going to happen. That would be... Uh, like me saying, I'm going to beat the South Carolina State wrestling champion, Joel Wilkes, back there. You know, if you were to look at Joel Wilkes and you were to hear his resume, how he's a South Carolina State wrestling champion, and you see him standing beside me, he's twice, he's two of me. And I tell you, I'm going to beat him in wrestling, what are you going to say? You're as good as dead, boy. You're as good as dead. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. It's impossible. And that's what Abraham and Sarah were looking at, and yet they were not weak. They didn't quit believing in God. They knew what God said he was going to accomplish. It's not probable. Nobody really perhaps had seen it happen in his lifetime. Sarah, what does Sarah do? She laughed. I mean, women know when their biological clock is quit for having children. And Sarah's womb was dead. She was not having that monthly cycle that enabled her to have children. So she laughed. Ha, yeah, right. Like that's going to happen, not going to happen. Yet Abraham didn't grow weak. I want faith like that, don't you? If God said it, it's gonna, that settles it. I don't need to believe it in the sense to make it happen. God said it, so that settles it. It's going to happen. And Abraham continued to believe in the promises of God. Um, Not wavering faith. He's not trying harder. Just simply enjoying the gift. God promised, I'm going to just hold on to that. And I'm going to enjoy that. And just wait and see what God does. Of course, we know the story. We know God did bless him. and We know he had the son Isaac. And we know that through the line of Isaac, Christ came and died for us. That it all, it all worked out just as God said it would. But how can we learn from Abraham? One of the things I think we have to, we have to face our problems. We, we are a people that are constantly preferring to follow the words and ways of men over the words and ways of God. In this case, there would have been plenty of people that say, I don't know why you're holding on to that promise. You're as good as dead. It's not going to happen. So people start preaching to them. They give them their words. They said, you know, just look at the ways of man. It doesn't happen. And we have plenty of people doing that today. And we we tend to want to follow the advice of men and women around us, especially people who have some sort of success in their words. We like following those pastors who have a self-help plan. Who, who give us, just do this, it will work, it will, just try harder, come on, try harder, it'll work. And there are a lot of people out there preaching the words, there's doctors, there's uh, psychiatrists, psychiatrists, there's psychologists, there's uh, personal trainers, there's fitness folks. There's lots of people with plans to make us stronger and more successful. And our tendency is to look and say, well, they've got credentials, they've got degrees, they've made lots of money doing this. Maybe, Maybe I should pay attention and follow that. What we need are preachers who are not so much giving you their words, but preachers who are giving you God's Word, who are exhorting you with God's Word, who are admonishing you with God's Word, who are reading God's Word and declaring God's Word. I love that old song we used to sing from Ecclesiastes chapter 5 that, uh, Lord, you know, it's something about the the fact that I come into your presence and I just get still. And the funny thing is, I don't have any words to say. And he says, and I found that that's okay. Because word of God, I need you to speak. I don't need to hear my words. I don't need to hear words the words of man. I pray that week after week as I come. So Lord, Lord, let him hear you. Lord, let him see Jesus and his words. And that's where Abraham focused his attention, not on the words and ways of man, but on God. He says, he grew strong, verse twenty in faith, giving glory to God. Verse 20, yet with respect to the promises of God. You see him, he's, he's considering God's promises. He's considering God's glory. His focus is on God. It's not on the words or the ways of man. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 2. Verse 4 and 5, just one book over. Let me just share this real quick because it's such a tendency of our, of our day. First, Timothy, first, first Corinthians 2, verse 4 and 5, the Apostle Paul said, And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of of God. When that megachurch pastor said he was, was no longer a Christian, my first thought is how have the elders failed him? How have the elders failed the church? Because we're supposed to guard the church from the words and ways of men. And there are lots of people who have some beautiful words, some persuasive words. And some persuasive ways. And we tend to listen to them, follow them, and they become our salvation. And yet even the Apostle Paul says, no, no, don't go there. He says, my intention when I preach to you is to not give you persuasive words or ways. Because I don't want you to follow the words and ways of Paul or the words and ways of men. I want you to follow the word and way of God. I don't want you grasping it. I don't want you grabbing a hold unless it's in the power of God, unless it's God coming to you and giving you His gift to enjoy. And you can distinguish between it. One's try harder. One's God's powerful blessing in your life. Well, recognize that problem is all around us. We have plenty of gurus that want to help us. And they're getting wealthy doing it. But that's not the direction of strengthening our faith. Uh, We need to focus on God's promises, God's ability to do what He does. Um, A right view of God, I think, is what uh, helped Abraham out. Without becoming weak in faith, again, verse 19, what did he do? He contemplated. He starts considering his self, his condition, In light of God's promise, verse 20, yet with respect to the promise of God, he didn't waver. He grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. His faith is based on the character of God. He's contemplating himself, says, well, I'm as good as dead, but God is very much alive. God is very much glorious. God is very much the one I need to focus on, and I need to focus on His Word, His promises. He's, He's spoken to me. He's given His Word to me. He's told me the way in which He's going to go and how I should follow. And that clearly becomes uh, Abraham's focus. You know, the, the view of God today, what would you say it is? I, I see it when, when I read... Um, blogs and newscasts and broadcasts and books the view of God I see it seems to be small and peripheral even secondary rather than primary and enormous and overwhelming what's your view of God? you see my concern is not so much whether you watch CNN or Fox. What I'm talking about, my concern is that we can watch hour after hour of newscast. We can watch or listen or read blog after blog, guru after guru. We could go on and on and on for hours and hours, day in and day out, and none of it speaks of the enormity of God. God is secondary, not primary. God is small, not the big part of the picture or the article, or whatever it is you're looking at. Let me talk to you about climate change. It's a big problem. The problem I see with our climate is that we have become acclimatized to the godlessness of our culture. We have a view of God That doesn't consume us. And instead of being bored, we say God's boring. We watch the newscast and instead of saying this is dull, we say God is dull. When it's the other way around, we've become acclimatized to the way the world sees God instead of seeing God God's promises and his word to us as precious and stopping and pausing and giving glory to God. That's what Abraham was doing. And Abraham was doing that, and as a result of that, his faith was growing strong. On the contrary, it's easy for us to get so focused on the words and ways of men that our faith grows weak. Because we're not fueling it. We're not feeding it with the, the greatness and the power of God. What is God anyway? It's a great question. What is God? I love the Westminster Shorter Catechism answer to that question. What is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, in his wisdom, in his power, in his holiness, in his justice, in his goodness, and in his truth. How you answer that question determines whether or not you'll grow strong in faith or weak in faith. What is God? God is the Spirit, infinite and eternal, unchangeable in His being, His wisdom, His power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. By the way, I don't do uh, teacher interviews, but it's a great question for a teacher interview. Why? Ask in the interview process to that person who's applying to teach your kids... By the way, what's your view of God? What is God to you? The way the teacher answers that question will determine whether or not they will build faith or whether they just teach facts. Because if they don't have a big view of God, they cannot strengthen the child's faith. All they can do is give the child facts. We want educators who build strong faith in our kids. The way a parent answers that question. Parent, what is God? Will determine whether or not you build children strong in the faith of God or whether or not your children grow up and say, I don't want to go to church, it's so boring and dull. Because they don't see the bigness. And the richness and the glory of God. Because they're not being shown it, mom and dad, or teacher, or whoever's not contemplating the promises of God and how enormous they are. When you contemplate the promises of God, it begins, you begin to see how, how huge, how great they are. And begin to grow, and it stimulates. Your faith. Just just think through God and his character. As Abraham must have done as he contemplates, I'm as good as dead, but God. Let me think about God for a while. God is spirit. Con- just, just contemplate that with me. The children's catechism question for God is. God is spirit and does not have a body like men. Can you contemplate that? God is spirit. He's he's invisible. Go ahead, put a picture in your mind of invisible. God is invisible. He does not have bodily parts and passions. Stop and contemplate that. That he's not like us. And when you begin to try to say, you you know, my mind can't go there. I can't see invisible. I can't comprehend what it would be to be God without bodily parts and passions. And when you begin to think about who he is, instead of your mind shrinking, your mind begins to explode with the enormity of God and the glorious awesomeness of who he is. That we can't escape him. He, as spirit, he can be here and everywhere at the same time. And we go, whoa. That's not dull. That's not boring. That's a greatness we've barely tapped into. And as you contemplate it, that kind of God can do anything. God is spirit, He's infinite. Again, try to contemplate infinity. We have use of that term to infinity and beyond. But try to contemplate it. What is infinity? How do you get there? The scripture says, God, from everlasting, what is that? From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He's infinite. Before time, after time, He always was, always is, always Will be, so when you begin to try to, to conceptualize infinity, let your mind go to its farthest extent, and you begin to see that no matter how far I go, some of you you're you're, you're brilliant scientists. You know you've looked through the telescope and you looked through the microscope and you've seen things way beyond my imagination. Go there. Go as far as you can go. And at some point, we all get to a barrier, and our mind says, that's, that's as far as I think. It's as far as I can go. Well, whatever that barrier is, then look and see that God hits that in first gear with a full tank of gas, and he just keeps flying. It goes on and on and on. Is there anywhere you can go to escape God. He's way beyond what we can imagine. God's Spirit, He's infinite. He's eternal. He's without concept of time. He's before, He's here. The Scripture says He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Eternal, He's unchangeable. Can't get any worse, He's perfect. Can't get worse because He ceased to be perfect. Can't get any better, He's Perfect. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Unchangeable. Nothing you can do or I can do can change his perfections. Again, we we don't barely conceive of what that is. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being. He does have being, he exists and he creates in his wisdom. How wise is God? How awesome is God when you think that all the worlds His hands have made. All the molecules, all the tiny things and the big things. Wisdom, His power. His power just beyond us. You know, talk about global situations in God's power. God has no concern over the global environmental problems we think are existing as to whether or not he can fix it. God can create anything and everything he wants out of nothing, and he sustains the whole world by speaking. Not a big deal for God. He's got that kind of power. Whatever our problems, he can fix it. Contemplate that greatness of His power, His wisdom, his power, his holiness. We've never seen holy. God alone is holy. Without sin, not even one bad attitude, not even in a heated moment. God is without sin. He's pure, He's holy. He's righteous. In His holiness, His power, holiness, wisdom, justice, truth. God's justice. Because God is just. You can count on a day of judgment. God has promised that He will bring all things into account. Because that's His character. To be just. He's not letting anything go. He says, "The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He sees it all, so everything will have its day in court. And God says, "I will hold everyone account, either even, either, excuse me, on the cross where Christ has died or in the pits of hell. But someone will pay. Everyone will pay. I would prefer Christ to pay for my sins. But God is just. And because of his justice, that day must happen. It has to occur. Or he would cease to be who he is. Just. Holding all things into account. And his justice is mercy. Think of his mercy. Goodness. God is good. He's so good to take my sin and remove it as far as the east is from the west doesn't get sweeter than that God's mercy in the sea it's infinite eternal mercy that it never runs dry God is spirit infinite eternal unchangeable being wisdom power holiness justice goodness and truth what he says is true never once has he said something that's been a lie Titus 1:2, God cannot lie that's the only thing he can't do. God cannot be other than God. He cannot be different than himself. He must be true, and everyone else a liar. God speaks righteously. Never sin in it. Thinking about the, the view of God what's your view of God? Do do you contemplate the promises of God and give glory to God? If if we spent more time contemplating God and and giving God glory, it changes us. When does does Abraham do this? And he says he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. doesn't really tell us when. He's growing strong. He's giving glory to God. Implied, I think, is, well, he could do it privately. Maybe Sarah, he's doing it with her. Maybe publicly, we're getting it. He's doing it with the church. But he's spending time contemplating God and giving God glory. So in your private My private, personal, devotional times, we are contemplating God and giving Him glory. On the Sabbath day, God had given Him the Sabbath day as well, a day of rest to contemplate the glories of God. He's making use of the Sabbath day. He's making use of the church. He's with the people of God. He's giving glory to God. He's doing that perhaps through the sacraments. It's another way where the sacraments scream to us, remember God, as we do this this morning, what's the repeated phrase? Do this in remembrance. We so tend to forget that our focus needs to be on God. He says, so remember, remember, remember. Because as you remember the glories of God, you fuel your faith. And you grow strong in faith discipleship classes. Again, it's a a time to contemplate and consider the promises of God and where that takes us. We've got some wonderful classes here. When I think about a class on the doctrine of election, that's a class on God. God is so great. He could think of you, choose you before the foundation of the world. Well, when was that? And you think about the foundations in God's creation, in God's love, in God's forethought, in God's greatness. It's a focus there. In the other classes, we do the same thing. Hebrews 11 talks about the faith. How does faith grow strong? See how these classes just are helping us be like Abraham. Our class on questions, let me contemplate. Let me consider great questions about God and His church our book on Revelation, let me think about what did the saints do when they, when they gather around the throne of God and they focus on God and they worship. See, that's Abraham. That's what he was doing here. He's contemplating the promises of God and that led him to give glory to God and that strengthened his faith. So when a man's faith should have been weak, it wasn't. And that's the way it should be for us. We should not be weak in faith, and we won't be weak in faith if we're constantly making use of the tools God has given us, our private reading of the Scripture, our uh, devotional times, our church time, our Sabbath time, our discipleship times. We are rehearsing the promises of God, and we are growing strong in the faith. And let me tell you this. The person who focuses most on God, the person who grows strongest in the faith is the person Who will be most satisfied with God. The person whose faith is strongest, the person who is most with God is the person whose faith is strongest. The person who's most with God is the person who is most satisfied with God. Because God's not dull. God's not boring. God's not small. God's not trivial. God's not secondary. God's not peripheral. God is rejuvenating. God is stimulating. God is exciting. God is enormous. God is overwhelming. And you give glory to God. And it strengthens your faith. Well, I've run out of time. Let me just go through these action steps I've given you quickly. As you think through the application here, number one... Faith maturity depends upon comprehending divine character. If you want to grow strong in faith, I hope you do, it requires of you to consider the divinity of God, the character of God, all these things that attributes of God that will overwhelm you. If you're weak in faith, you're spending way too little time with God and way too much time with Fox or CNN or something else. Pray to God. God, teach me how my affections need to be changed and directed towards you. Help me to become bored to death with the things of this world and invigorated with the things of my God. You will not grow faith unless you comprehend God's character. Number two, salvation is the same for all being born anew for death. What I just want to say there is there is no dispensational difference. Abraham has the same faith as us. It's not different. He believed in the promise of Christ for him. And it was credited to him as righteousness. We'll look at more of that next week. We need to do the same. Growing strong in faith begins by looking to Christ as our need, our Lord and Savior. Number three, salvation is not secure unless it's entirely by divine grace. There's nothing here about trying harder and stronger yourself. You don't work it, you don't work it. The the faith in Christ, you need Christ, trust in Christ, divine grace, alone, and then your faith is secure. If you're trying some program, some method that somebody's given you instead of the word of God, It won't strengthen your faith. Number four, saving faith endures strong regardless of obstacles. What are the obstacles in this text? As good as dead. That's the obstacle. And we have plenty of things that make us feel good as dead. We have cancer. We've got physical disabilities. We've got pots. We've got old age. Faith was strong even in the time of disability. So, see, saving faith endures regardless of the physical obstacles you and I may face. What? Good news. You can get older and not lose your faith in Christ. It can still be stimulated by just considering the promises of God and giving God glory doesn't matter our physical condition. Number five, unbelief is the most serious sin. Obviously, you have to have faith to be saved. You have to strengthen faith to stay strong, to grow in your relationship with God. So the most serious sin would be not to have faith at all. If you don't have it, plead with God. God, give me faith to trust you and quit trusting myself and the things of this world. And then number six, the gospel is the same for all ages. You don't have to do more when you grow older. You don't have to do less or more when you're younger. It's the same. Whether you're young or old, whether you're 90 or 100, the gospel is the same. It's through trust in Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. Strengthen our faith. Father, we don't want to see you shaking your head at New Covenant Church and saying, O ye of little faith, Father, declare of our church strength of faith. Father, grant it to us. May we be a people that are absorbed in the things of God, that can't get enough, that constantly want to look into your word, to learn, to grow. Let us get to the old age of a hundred like Abraham and it be said of us, not weak in faith. Let us be those who are strong, giving to the next generation the hope of Christ that they can see through our faith. Father, forgive us for our sins, for the way we've thought too little of you, for the way we've trivialized the gospel The goodness, the glory of our God. Father, we turn from that sin. We turn now to remember that you are great and awesome and glorious. And Lord, let that be our thoughts throughout the day and each and every day. May we have time alone with you and your greatness. Forgive us, Father, for such a small view. Grow our view of you more and more.